All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new Timber Tech Deck, designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th, next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new frontier. PA contractor number PA039007. Jody Crumpy, director of the Erie City Mission Thrift Stores and Donation Center. When you shop at one of our two thrift stores or drop off items at our donation center, you are providing a meal. You are housing a man in our shelter, helping men and women overcome addiction, and giving our inner city youth an opportunity to learn. I want to thank you for making a difference. This is our city, our mission. God bless you. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. I want to welcome in our guests for this very important topic. James Grunke, he's the president and CEO of the Erie Regional Chamber and Growth Partnership. Hi, James. Hi, Joel. Good to see you, Good sir. Good to see you. We've got Dan Gianelli. He is the board president at the Erie Regional Airport Authority. Hey. Hello, Dan. Hey, Joel. Welcome. And we've got Joe Sinnott. He is the Erie County Economic Development Director. Hello, Mayor. Good to Hi, see Joel. you, sir. Good to see you again. Fantastic. All righty. Uh, uh, we're a family show. Dan, let's just get a quick origin story from you. Did you grow up here in Erie or are you a transplant in? Uh, Erie my whole life. Wow. So born in Erie, raised in Erie, went to school in Erie. Went to college in Erie, worked in Erie. <laughs> right. It's not until just recently that um, that I've moved out of the area. I still work at Gannon University. Okay. Um, but um, plan on moving back. Fantastic. Well, welcome. All right. I've got this 30,000-foot observation, and you guys all weigh in here. It seems to me that Erie is suffering for access in every inner-city public transportation mode. Bus service, train service, plane service. We don't even have a taxi company. Tell us what's going on with transportation. Anyone? Well, I mean, the easiest one to address is, you know, taxi companies have just, just been abolished by Lyft services, right? So they don't exist anywhere in the country. You know, we have a group that's working on um, how are we getting enhanced um, train service, uh, with with Amtrak, right. right? We got a beautiful station. Let's let's use it. Sure. Um, uh, I think the EMTA, the local bus service, is doing pretty well. But um, Greyhound shut down their ticket Greyhound office, shut, yeah. right? And <laughs> and people have to couldn't even go inside. Right. Is uh, right. It went yeah. to self service, and, and that's a pretty c customer unfriendly. And then um, you know what we're here to talk about is air service, and it's always been a limiting factor for Erie's economic vitality, um, the lack of connecting cities. Um, but items out of our control are making decisions for Erie, and we need to change it so we have some control of these decisions. So if, if it really is a, a pilot shortage and a profitability issue, yeah. what can we do as a community to address the profitability component to en entice airlines into um, Erie? So that's my yeah. general answer. So it's not just that we're, we're just not a very desirable market for the transportation industry. Yeah, um, 
We've been operating at like a 92, 95% load factor right. for flights going out of Erie. Um, even before the pandemic, when we had Delta, United, and American flying out, we still had high load factors there um, as well. I mean, we're at about uh, 600,000 or 60,000 um, enplanements per year. And so that's the number of people that are flying out of Erie. Mm -hmm. We have a, um, uh, a capture rate. Uh, or a capture mark of about 250 to 300,000 um, in total. So um, we c so those so those are so there's a difference there of people that are flying from other places, flying from Buffalo, flying from Cleveland, flying from Pittsburgh, um, um, for a variety of different factors. You know, whether it be price, whether it be low cost carrier. Um, so we have the market to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just when airlines are looking to fly, they're looking at where their where their costs are going to be the least because of that um, uh, because of the uh, supply and demand that they're running into with with pilots and planes. They have planes parked because they don't have flights pilot, pilots to fly them. They don't have mechanics to do maintenance on them. So they're like. It's a supply and demand. So if um, um, if it's cheaper to fly out of this airport than this airport, they're going to fly out of the airport that's a little bit cheaper because their profit margin is going to be a little bit higher. Let's talk about that, Dan. You know, uh, explain why air service has decreased since the, the pandemic. Uh, it, you mentioned pilots, mechanics, ground personnel, aircraft. It sounds like we have enough aircraft, right? In, in in the in the system yeah and there's a little bit and that's that's a little bit of piece of the supply and demand as well with okay. the aircraft um, uh, with the and that goes back to the pilots with the pilot shortages out there airlines are making a financial decision with that as well right now when you're flying out of ear you're flying out of a, you're flying on a regional jet and so that's mm -hmm. a smaller jet that goes between 50 to 70 to 100 passengers um, so airlines ha say, I have a pilot. I have a plane that can fly 180 passengers, and I have a plane that can fly, fly 70 passengers. Where do I put that pilot that can generate the most revenue? So right. it's just, um, uh, yeah. It's bucks per yep. pilot hour. Absolutely. That's the metric yep. that we're talking about. Yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, and that wasn't always the case because wasn't there a dichotomy at one point where the regional jets would pay less which made it more financially feasible yeah. to put that, you know, your your cost per pilot hour was less. Yeah, they didn't have the they didn't have the constraints that they do right now. I remember, you know, heck, flying to a conference in Detroit um, on a Sunday morning, and there was uh, ten people on a fifty passenger plane. Mm -hmm. it didn't make a difference at that point. They were still making money off of that. Now the difference is the amount of money that they're making on that. Interesting. Um, Talk about how prevalent is this decre decrease of service happening at non-hub airports across the country? We're considered a non-hub, correct? Correct, yeah. So um, um, because the regional jets aren't quite as, aren't as efficient as the bigger jets, the bigger airlines, the, the Deltas, United, and the Americans, they're focusing those resources on the bigger jets, and those bigger jets fly out of bigger airports. Okay. So the airports that are taking the brunt out of this uh, uh, out of this environment are the are the non-hub airports that are generally taking passengers from their airport port to a hub airport. Um, and we're running and and um, 
because we also have Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Buffalo not too far from us, um, uh, you know, that makes it a little more difficult for us in their math. Yeah. The uh, But there's also this need to, you know, get passengers into the funnel. Mm -hmm. And so it used to work where we, you know, that we needed those passengers in order yeah. to get them to where they wanted to go. And, uh, again, you know, people in Erie uh, – uh, Joe, uh, you know, we have we have long memories. We remember when that DC-9, you know, that 605 flight uh, to Pittsburgh every morning sure. was full. Absolutely. I mean, we remember that 100-seater. Yeah, and the market for that type of flight has changed. I mean, obviously that was, well, I think that was probably a mixture of business and uh, pleasure traveler, but it, I think it was, it was a lot of business traveler at that point as well. So it's just the model has changed. Do we hear anything, are you hearing anything out of your trades that business travel is coming back at all, James? Not yet. It's not. Okay. We're just like doing the, the webinars and, the, and the, all that junk. It I is. mean, I used, to go to, I, I used to go to eight conferences a year when I lived in Tennessee, you know. As did I. I mean, and I still fly fairly regularly. And it's, you know, it's, it's interesting for the airlines is the reason they like business travelers is cost didn't really matter to them. Um, and then they had loyalty. Absolutely, you got to rack up those miles. A, a leisure right? traveler pre-pandemic, they mm -hmm. traveled one time per year, and they were completely price conscious, not brand loyalty. So the market has changed. Um, but one of the things I think we should talk about a little bit is how the airport actually makes money. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. They they receive no state or local tax dollars to support them. They make money um, by people getting on planes, right? So they charge a fee to the airline for each passenger. So our, we already heard we have about 250,000 people who should be implaning. We had 60,000, right? So 190,000 people didn't use our airplane. And so if we had them, our air service rather, we could draw costs down, right? Mm -hmm. Because increased revenue. But we're having the flip, right? You decrease the revenue costs don't change, and so how they're trying to charge the the airlines, and I think that that's kind of the confusing. Let's just make it s simple for me. Um, let's say the airline says for Erie to be competitive, we need it cost us ten dollars to put a person on our plane, and Erie says, well, it costs thirty dollars for you to put it on. It makes no sense. And so you don't. And so that's what the the airport board and staff is really working on. How do we get the costs that we're in line with peer airports so it's no longer um, Erie's more expensive to us? And, and the expense is really that. Um, you know, it's not all the rest is, you know, there's rent of the counter space, rent of the ticket counter, common area, all those kind of other things, right? The airport makes money. With that, they make it by they, you know, they lease space to the TSA. They lease um, space to, you know, they charge fuel flowage mm -hmm. fees. But again, uh, private ventures like the parking uh, parking lot or the rental cars, they're paying the revenue. So if we decrease air service, all of the revenues go down, and that's why we it need, is that exasperates the problem. It makes the problem worse, and that's one of the reasons that. Um, as you know, I, I speak like I'm, I'm an expert, but I'm not. Um, but this is job. why this is yeah. why this is why the airport uh, board has been working so much trying to attract an ultra low cost carrier into right. the market. 
we're a business organization, right? We're interested in business travelers, but we understand increase, if we could increase another 60,000 passengers, pick a number. Yeah. Just through that carrier, then we're going to get higher employments, lower costs, and become more attractive. But, Dan, doesn't this come to a self-fulfilling prophecy insofar as that you're trying to get your, your costs down? You have fixed costs. You've got, you know, interest on capital. I mean, I mean, every every non-hub airport is in this. Uh, yet, I I, I, w- I would predict that probably down south or out west, they're not having as much of a problem as we are in the northeast. Is that an inaccurate statement? I I, I can't comment on that. Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm ju- I'm just wondering if if other market trends that we're facing. Uh, in in a regional aspect where the northeast is losing and the south is gaining, uh, if that's impacting this kind of a thing, if their costs are lower, then that's where they're going. I think that's what it comes down it's, it's, to. It's all about that, I, and so I, yeah, when it comes, you know, when it boiling it down to the lowest common denominator, obviously there's going to be other factors involved with it. The, the, you know, the quality of the airport, the quality of the local support, things like that. But what it really comes down to at this point is pretty much just costs. Yeah. Uh, let me hit on the revenue or on the sure. expense portion of it real quick. Uh, James did a good job talking about the revenues and, what, and, and where we're getting our revenue from. Let me talk about the expenses as well. Back when we were flying out of, back when we were flying jets out of Erie where you could go on a Sunday morning and there's 10 people on a plane and it really didn't make that, that big of a difference. The airports, the airlines were making money anyway. Um, you know, your airport costs didn't make that that big of a deal. Well, it did. Um, and back around 2008, Derek uh, Martin came on board, and, um, and and he really put the effort. He, he he saw a little bit of this coming, and he knew that we needed to reduce our costs. So we reduced probably about 20, 25 percent of our total expense or uh, total expenses over the past um, um, five or six years um, to bring it down. We were more competitive. We were one of the most expensive airports in the country, large or small. Our cost per plane passengers was our cost per plane passenger was one of the largest in the country because yeah. we had all these extraneous expenses that mm-hmm. we really didn't need. So um, a little bit of cutting here, a little bit of moving there, a little bit of cutting there. Um, we were able to re- we've been able to reduce it. We're more competitive now, but we're not competitive where we need to be. Um, the other thing, the other factor that's involved, it, um, James mentioned this as well, is um, is, contribu- is local contributions too, whether it be from the business community, or whether it be from the uh, um, um, uh, local government. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, a lot of airports that are out there um, have um, um, uh, local dollars coming in to support air service as well. And we have never done that. Yeah. So we've always been able to do it on our own. We've always been able to do it on our on our own on our, with our own uh, through our own budget. But um, but we put we put the backbone in our capital expenditures. I mean, we we you know we spent eighty million on that on that runway. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that was that wasn't tax dollars that paid for that as essentially. That was that was loans, and we paid those loans back. Okay, all right. So it wasn't. Splitting here, this costs eighty thousand dollars. The community has to pay eight or eighty million dollars. Yeah, the community has to pay eighty million dollars to pay that. They they flitted the bill on the um, on the loans, and we paid those loans back. Dan, let's go back to you. I want to ask about United because this is the one that really just is, is heartbreaking, really, 
Uh, we get an announcement that our, our loads are going to be increasing from a 50-seater plane to a 75-seater plane or whatever it was. We thought we were getting increases, and then, what was it, two weeks later, they drop us all together, and we lose service to Chicago, which I'm hearing from my callers that that's the one that they used. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And it was a, it was a total shock for us as well. Again, when you get when you get signals from an airline that you're increasing, uh, you know you're increasing the size of the plane, which is what we've been which is what we've been working on, and um, and and uh, and you're going to have more flights come out. We actually built that into our budget for this upcoming year, based on that conversation, those conversations, and the heads up that we got from United, and then um, um, uh, and then the changes that happen. It's it's really disconcerting. But again. It just reflects back to how quickly an airline and the industry can shift its focus um, at any point in time. We've got these load factors of 90 percent. What is telling them or or is there some kind of a secret formula that's telling them, well, you know, if I if let's say they put a 747 in uh, in Erie with 300 seats, what is telling them? Well, they'll never fill 300 seats, you know. Uh, I, I mean, because to me, if you need a bigger plane and you're operating at, at 90 percentile yeah. here, why can't why can't you put in a uh, an MD? I don't even know what the MD 80 is, the current version. You know what I mean? Why can't you put in a regular plane? Well, it, it depends on where they're feeding as well and where those passengers are flying. And we know that we we generally have a decent idea about where passengers are flying out of Erie, which ones, when when they're flying out of Erie, when they're flying out of a different airport, mm-hmm. um, they know the final, de- we know the final destinations of where those passengers are going. Um, and it's just, and, and, and again, it, it, I'm going to say it again, it, it just comes down to cost. If they, if they see that there's an advantage of going in a different route in a different way, and they're going to be able to pull that over there, they're going to shift and they're going to pull it over there. Right. Um, I, I'm not sure about this, but it sort of sounded like they had a change, change at change of leadership at United. Okay. And they sort of changed their model of how they wanted to approach um, scheduling of flights, and that affected us. And so, the uh, a, a previous administration said, "Yeah, we're going to hit that. This is going to be able to do this, and we're going to be able to do these things financially." And they said, "You know what? We're not going to." New leadership comes in. We're going to change the focus. We want to focus on this market over here. I'm sorry, because, uh, this sounds so whirly squirrely. It sounds like, you know, you get a new network uh, a network administrator and they want to pull cheers off of yeah. Thursday night and move them to Tuesday. I yeah. mean, does it have, a, does it make any financial sense? Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot here that I actually want to talk about, which is <laughs> no surprise. Right? Um, part, of, part of the responsibility of a community is you have to communicate with the airlines about your community. Right? Nobody at United American Delta knows that Gannon has 1,100 foreign students. Nobody knows how many Asian students are going to Mercyhurst Prep. Nobody knows how many conferences that UPMC is having or et cetera. And so one of the things you have to go and tell your story to each airline, this is why. But my past experience in other communities is really here is an opportunity for the, both the private and the public sector to step up to help, right? The, the airport is working on costs. We're interested in revenue. So again, let's say, it doesn't matter. We could say, hey, um, American, we wanna go to Dallas. 
Delta, we want to go to Minneapolis. Uh, United, we want to go to Chicago or Denver, right? Mm-hmm. New markets, great. So what they'll do is they say, all right, we want two planes a day, 300 seats, right? You were doing 100 seats. Yeah. And our calculation, based on your performance, you know, what, 25% of the market's actually using our airport? They'll say, we only think you can get 40% of the load. And then, but communities will step up and they'll provide, in some states, as a revenue guarantee. And they say, great, you want 85, we'll pay you the difference. Mm-hmm. And you put a package together, it's probably 500000 a million dollars each year, and you try to let the market prove itself. Do, I mean, and, and did, that, did we do that for Dallas? It was. That was through a, a federal grant. Okay. But that's exactly what they did. Did, did they, it prove out to your point? It did. They were getting an additional $400 uh, for every time they made a turn. Okay. Right? Coming gotcha. Back. Yeah. And that service was going well. And it, of course, stopped in March of 2020 when the world when the, stopped. Yeah, right? yeah. And it just never came back. And then it wasn't reinstalled and stated because of the... Um, uh, pilot shortage. But yeah. those are the things that I think, you know, the local government, the private sector, we're trying to talk about how do we give in- incentivize airlines to come into our community. Just a couple more questions about uh, current conditions here. Uh, my understanding is Delta, you know, got for- had 40% share before they left. They focus on business travel. They want to fly big planes. And, and uh, you guys are saying that basically Erie doesn't rank to get bigger planes. The hun- even the 130-seaters, they, can't, they, they don't seem to be able to draw that formula, even with a 90% load factor. See, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to use market forces in my brain to understand why we would be redlined. And, and this, is, this is like a redlining, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to – I have to go back to cost. Um, uh, okay. it's, it's not, they're not, uh, for their, uh, for the costs, for their costs, it's just, it's, it's expensive. Okay. And, and, um, I, I even, even if we can get them 110 passengers yeah. on each flight, you and know, I, and I'm two not flights sure, a day. They must be doing the math saying that, that either we're not going to be able to support 110 passengers, even though we're already showing that we are. Yeah. Or um, um, uh, they want to focus on a bi- on bigger hubs where they're where they're drawing more people and being able to turn their flights around a little bit quicker. Okay, interesting. So is th- is there anything to that as well? Just just on an operational standpoint, I know that usually we usually have the last flight in at night. They stay overnight in Erie and take the first flight out. Yeah. Is that part of our problem? Is that um, that we don't have the quick turnarounds or? Um, I haven't heard that. Okay. I haven't heard that, no. All right. I mean, it makes sense that you, you want to start in the outskirts, bringing all your people into your hubs, yeah. right? And it's a shorter flight as well, so you can mm-hmm. just go quickly there and then be able to route people out from your hub. Sure, sure. But now our short flight is Charlotte. It just, yeah. it's it's not, it, Mayor, it's, it's not congruent that that our hub is Charlotte now, you know what I mean? No, that wouldn't be what you'd, what you'd think of immediately, that our hub, there's enough other hubs much closer, but that's unfortunately the way this particular service is lined up. Yeah. I'll throw one other thing out there is the distance of those, the distance of the hubs as well, especially with Delta um, being in Detroit. That's a short haul for, for, um, for Delta. 
And the bigger planes don't make sense going on a going on an hour flight. The bigger planes are designed for two hour, three hour, 500, 600, 800 mile flights. And so that math plays and plays a piece of it as well. Just just the sheer cost of uh, right. of uh, not even having to go uh, to 30,000 feet or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So Charlotte, Charlotte makes much more sense as, a, so as, as um, uh, for larger planes going into because, again, designed a little bit more for the longer haul. Let's grab a phone call. Hey, you're live with our guests here on Talk Erie. Go ahead. Hey, guys, just a, just a question that I'll, I'll, you know, I'll listen offline. But So, I mean, people fly to Orlando all the time, to Vegas all the time, Chicago, Atlanta. I mean, there's obviously places people go to all of the time. And I fly to Orlando a couple times a year myself. The problem is, is I can go to Cleveland and fly to Orlando for literally $100, sometimes less. And out of Erie, it's it's three fifty four hundred dollars. I mean, is there anything that can be done to try to make it competitive where really that hour and a half drive is well worth it? Um, but thanks, guys. I'll take that take off off air. Perfect. It's a perfect uh, segue into this whole concept of an ultra low cost carrier. So uh, we're on the solution side here. Uh, let's talk about what is that kind of carrier and what does that mean. Tell us about the idiosyncrasies with all that. Well, I, that's going to be the the short term solution is attracting a ultra low cost carrier into the community to do exactly what the caller just described, right? A flight to Orlando or somewhere in Florida for you know twenty bucks a seat. You know all the add-ons right. is where they make the money, sure. but. That has to be a part of any air service strategy to do exactly what he just suggested. What has been happening all these years? Because I've been hearing about one of these ULCCs for three years, four, as long as I've had the show, almost over four years. Why haven't, why haven't we gotten one yet? Well, it's, it's cost. Um, so if you're talking about an ultra-low-cost carrier, Low cost is a big piece of that. Sure. Where um, in order for us to bring in a low cost carrier, we have to reduce our costs as well. As well. So right now, you know, you're talking about a $300, $400 ticket when you're flying United, Delta, or American. Um, you have, you know, you have included fees. You have included um, amenities when you're flying with one of the larger airlines. Um, and so they're so they can handle. They're, they're charging more, so they can handle. They, they can handle a higher cost. When you're talking about a low cost carrier, low cost carrier, their costs need to be low, and our, we haven't been able to attract. Um, we haven't been able to bring our costs down low enough in order to bring those in, bring a low cost carrier in where it's going to be effective for them to do it. And that's where you know a, a public-private partnership to be able to bring those costs down help us out to get us back to the point where now we have the traffic, now we can attract, attract some other service. Now we can naturally bring those costs down. So basically, and, and, we're talking a subsidy uh, coming absolutely. from the local. Oh, let's grab another call real quick, and then we'll talk about that. Hey, you're live with uh, our friends here uh, about the airport on Talk Erie. Go. So I was wondering, instead of getting low-cost flights to Florida, I mean, it's a nice idea. I'm just thinking, adding another perspective here. To locally grow an airline, North Coast, North Coast Air already exists. I don't know if uh, any other entrepreneurs would like to put something together where they just get us as far as Buffalo, Pittsburgh, or Cleveland, maybe even Long Point, uh, Ontario, um, 
and you know grow it slowly but surely and uh, who knows maybe they can grow as big as uh you know, one of the other mid-sized carriers in the country and we have something locally grown that uh, we can be proud of i appreciate it thank you um uh yeah we kind of were talking about the jet stream i want to get to uh this public private partnership uh mayor senate the the idea of money from the county where 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 does that stand? Uh, where where are you guys at with that? Well, it's not only from the county. Obviously, it's from a bunch of entities, both public and private, around the region yeah. to help make this work. And I think that um, the time of of not uh, the community not having any role in this. If you look at, at other airports all around, I think you see that that those days are are gone. In fact, we lasted a lot longer than many. Um, so I think that to get a, a a comprehensive solution that'll last because I think that's important too you know we don't want a solution that will only last for a year or so and then we're right back in the same predicament that we've been in so I think that that to get a solution uh, that will last and really get what we need I think at least in the in the short term that that's gonna be something that, that's probably gonna have to be part of the equation what are you hearing from the state I, 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 I my understanding is that other states are more generous than PA what's up with that well, I think I think there, that has been the case in some areas. You know, I've I've talked to some of the state representatives to start to uh, test the waters on what's possible mm -hmm. uh, at the state level, and and obviously anything that 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 we could cultivate there would be certainly welcome and part of the solution. But that's still sort of in the early stages. But yeah, that's but, but, but that's that's not even in, that's not in Pennsylvania. It's not in play yet. There's states that are out right. there that have these have programs out there running right now where they have matching funds for these types of flights. Yeah. And, and, not, and, and we don't have the legislation even in there yet. The money that the feds gave the airline industry during the pandemic, does that not matter? I mean, I thought, I mean, to talk to Representative Kelly, it's like, hey, we propped up this, this industry and they basically gave it to their shareholders and we're left kind of holding the bag here. I, I, I don't so, I want to sound too political, but James, come on. I... I'd like to disagree with you on that, but I can't, right? It, it's, it just seems patently unfair that communities like Erie and others um, that, uh, you know, our hard-earned tax dollars went to support that, and then we just lose our service. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just – but to this matching, I, in Pennsylvania, there's no way for the state to contribute. Like, if we came up with some local money, um, in Ohio, it's 10 to 1, right? The state will match 10 to 1 with the local community to have – enhanced air service oh um, that's oh, West Virginia I think is four to one right and we, we have zero to one zero um, and we don't have any ability the only way we can go even through the federal government is through um, their small communities air right. service grant kind of that essential and, air service and if we get that which I think where the airports in the process of applying they receive it, then they're prohibited for an excellent amount of years to reapply. And that, to Mayor Senate's point, is we are trying to – we don't want a Band-Aid solution. We might try to get a low-cost carrier to get our employment numbers up, but then we got to figure out what's the long-term that we have a vibrant air service of both types of carriers. Yeah. So we're looking to expand a little bit on that as well. So if we, get a, yeah. if we can get a, that low-cost carrier in, that starts reducing our costs. Um, and then uh, that helps us become uh, getting a little bit more money, again, locally um, uh, and going back to American. We're already in conversations with American. 
um, to uh, to look for some other options as well. And I don't want to maybe go back to Chicago. Yeah. Maybe exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that gives it. So now we can. Now we. Have I mean, at, at some point, doesn't the market enter? Is is there any real capitalism going on here? I'm sorry. Well, I don't, I'm, you, know, I, I, you know, I'm a market kind of a guy. As we go, you know, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And in my mind, as we have these conversations going back and forth, and as we hear, you know, funding going here and funding going there, I think the airlines would love to fly out of Erie and capture all of those passengers. It all comes back down to the shortage of pilots, the shortage of maintenance. And so they're they're stuck. And so unless we can do something legislatively or some other way to increase the number of pilots and make that make it more viable for them to, to fill the market, I mean, they did it before. Mm -hmm. They were happy doing it before. But it's just, it's just funneled so much that now it's, it's turning into an arms race almost. It's a newer so type of competition within the industry, yeah. Yeah. which I think although Pennsylvania doesn't do anything now, I think over the long term they're going to have to address this because there's a lot of smaller airports in the Commonwealth that, you know, could be affected over the long term. So it, 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 this newer competition for location, I think, will the the evolving solution is going to be much different than what we're currently looking at. The um, we still, but let's say we, you know, looked at the very best case scenario. For example, if you go back to our halcyon days of 2006 or whatever, when our employments were close to 200,000, we were still losing 60 percent of our of uh, of our potential uh, or something like that. Maybe it was closer to 40 percent. So how, how do you how do you change the mindset of the eerie traveler? to to uh to maybe move that needle five to ten percent you know i don't know if it's i don't know if it's the mindset. i think the, the the mindset of the erie traveler is is where it needs to be if you're a if you're a um um uh, if you're a leisure traveler you're looking for the lower lower cost flights and it's tough to fly out of american united and delta american united and delta when they were flying out of erie was, at that point i think we were about 80 percent business business um passengers and 20% leisure mm -hmm. because those leisure travelers were going to those other markets. Now it's flipped around because those, the, it's flipped around because one, the business traveler is gone, the convenience is there and, um, um, uh, and, and, and the cost isn't quite as much as it was. It's going to start playing back into it again. Okay. So, uh, so until we're able to get um, flights available for low cost for, for the leisure traveler, and then open up those seats on on the on the American planes for the business traveler. That's I think where where it's going to be. Uh, it, it makes sense. You know, it, you know, I, I hear the conversation all the time. Mm -hmm. it, I'm going to drive. I'm going to pay a hundred bucks for my flight to Orlando. Well, yeah. if we have it coming out of Erie, and it, and we're we're uh, there's a hundred and eighty eighty seat plane flying out of Erie to Orlando. That's going to be filled. Mm -hmm. It's going to be filled because people are now. You're going to have people coming from. Dunkirk and Ashtabula driving to Erie versus driving to Cleveland, Buffalo, Pittsburgh to yeah, get that hundred dollar flight. Explain what a low, what would a ultra low cost carrier look like for us? It's a couple days a week kind of thing, and it's one destination, maybe to Orlando or Fort Myers or Lauderdale or whatever. You know, I th I think you'd look at maybe two markets in. Florida. Two markets, maybe, okay. But let's just say one, mm -hmm. um, and that would be twice a week service. 
probably is where they'd start up. Their their intention would be to build it up, right? They want not just twice a week. They eventually, sure. you know, if they could get to daily, they'd probably then you know put leave the plane here, and then that wow. creates jobs and all those other opportunities mm-hmm. that that we have. But I wanted to come back to one of the things that you said is it doesn't matter if we get increased air service if we don't fly on it, right? We can say Americans going to go to uh, pick the community, fine, but people have to actually buy a ticket and go on it, right? That's the other key is if we have service, you have to use it if we're going to be successful. But, again, when we go back to cost, and this is not my area of expertise. I'm really relying on, you know, we really do have a very talented airport director in Derek Martin. And, you know, when he's looking with low-cost carriers, you know, they're at 6 to $8 in payment that it needs to be. And we've talked wow. where we are, right? Yeah. And we got to get – and that's really the ultimate decision point for them is can they see a path for the next – two to five years that the airport can support them at this cost structure. Mm-hmm. And that's really the question. Yeah. What are you asking the public to do? I mean, I mean, other than flying, are we looking at uh, CEOs looking at uh, maybe being a part of a opportunity fund for the airlines, for the airport? Let me just throw something in here real quick. Um, I, I'm an IT guy at Gannon. Yeah, I'm a volunteer um, as a as as the as the uh, uh, president of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, before all this happened, it was a little bit more, you know, uh, running the or being on the board at the airport was was pretty simple. You know, things would pop up from time to time. This is a little bit different story, and and um, and so I don't know how the politics works. Um, I've been in Erie my whole life. I know the results of things. Um, and I will say this. I am, I am ridiculously encouraged by the fact when we have these conversations, that there's people like James here, there's um, um, people like Joe here, and they've been involved in these conversations, and they're involved in solutions. So I, it's, been doing, it's, it's been doing business. It's, it's like uh, meeting with some faculty again and to get some stuff done. Yeah. Um, I've been very encouraged by the support of the private and uh, and public sector here in, in the region, um, in the direction that we're going, and the interest in making sure that we get a solution. So, we're not 100% there yet. Yeah, we're getting close. But uh, I, I think to this point, it's been it's been great conversations, great interest, and and um, yeah. I've got an idea. Okay, if you want to hear from the host, it's my show. I can say it. Um, what about establishing an ERI club where individual citizens for 60 or 99 bucks a year uh, maybe not get a discount from their flight, but get, get amenities at the airport or something like that? I mean, if you're looking for, you know, I'm thinking about the, I'm looking, thinking about community assets and what we make investments in. We make investments in the zoo. We make investments in the, in the museums and the history center and so on. Why can't we make an investment in the airport? And and if I have some skin in the game, maybe I'll use the airport, right? I could I could see that. I don't know. You know, get you know. Here's my here's my card. I get twenty percent off at the snack counter or something. I, like that I don't idea. know. You know, I think I think ideas like that are, are are good and they're helpful. But I'll tell you, don't miss the larger picture, and that is that in the short period of time since this has arisen. 
Um, you know, James has been very successful with the private sector. The government entities are talking about all wanting to be part of the solution. Um, you you have this community stepping up in a, in a big way in a very short period of time. You know, on just a limit. You know, there's a lot of speculation about what's going on here that's really not even true that's floating around. And so, you know, the environment right now, or the climate, might not be for everybody to like run up and do that. However, you're seeing the folks that that are really going to make a difference long term, all on board. In fact, I haven't heard pushback from any of the potential partners right. in any of this, and I think that's important. So I, I think your idea is great to include the community, too, in that type of a, of a, of, of a, a, a situation. Um, but I think that, that'll be something that'll come, you know, once we really have something to offer right. these folks right. and then bring them in. Well, and I think we want to change the, you know, we want to change the narrative to of, of a Rich Merwin who had to have his, have his uh, event in June down in Pittsburgh instead of up here. And yeah. it, he's just doing what he what he can do in order to service his, his employees. Yep. And uh, and that leads to just a final thought here, and I got about a minute. I mean, this is critical. We can't goof this one up, James, as the, far as the airport goes. This is critical. Uh, I mean, the future vitality of this community is dependent on reliable air service. Yeah, yeah, and and... I, I always say, you know, we, you know, it only takes a little bit of a sabotage to take all of our dreams and 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 not uh, and not being able to be realized. And so, as we grow, as as Erie's Renaissance continues, it's we've got to make sure we've cover all these bases. Well, think about right where we're sitting. How many people said this is never going to happen? We right. look across this the street. This is Row, right? A hundred million dollars yeah. here. You got eighteen that just went yeah. in the Children's Museum. Yep. You got thirty yep. that went across the street in Richford Arms. How many people said that's never going to happen? And it is, right? And that's the Erie heart we're after. Is how do we make it happen? Beautiful. Leave it there. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so, so much. James Grunke, Joe Sennett, Dan Gianelli. Uh, I appreciate this conversation very much, gentlemen. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.